Let me introduce you to this episode's sponsor. It's 97th Floor, an award-winning Moz-recommended digital marketing agency located in Lehigh, Utah, and Orange County, California. They're known for driving bottom-line value results for clients like Pluralsight, Dell, and Salesforce. Visit 97thfloor.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. My name is Jacob Perry. I'm here with John Hammond and Paxton Gray. What's up, my man? (laughs) Thanks, Brandon. Brandon is actually out this week. He should be back next week, but we'll miss him. We actually have a pretty cool guest on this week. We're doing something slightly different uh, in that we've never talked about Kickstarter before, and this episode is going to be dedicated to talking through some Kickstarter do's and don'ts and some other miscellaneous Kickstarter things. Uh, we have Joseph May on the show, founder of Breton Company. Okay, so uh, as always, we're going to start real quick talking through a few current events. Uh, we're going to talk about Toys R Us. What's hot? Yeah, we're going to talk what's hot. What, what, else, what, what are some uh, quick headlines? Toys R Us. So um, a lot of research has revealed that Amazon is not the big bad beast when it comes to Toys R Us uh, declaring bankruptcy. And then also we're going to talk a little bit about Zuckerberg and Congress. Cool. Let's get started. Okay, let's start with Toys R Us. So we got two stories around Toys R Us. I'll kind of hit the first, and then I'll let uh, Jacob, you kind of follow up with what you got. But um, a new study done by Factual, a data company, um, analyzed foot traffic for the last three years for Toys R Us and other large market stores. And they found that Toys R Us foot traffic struggled the most compared to most stores, whereas Walmart and Target increased the most so a lot of people are saying that amazon is the reason why toys r us is a big bad beast why they went out of business who started that wasn't it toys r us who kind of used that as an excuse i'm I'm sure it was (laughs) like like hey we're filing bankruptcy but it's all amazon's fault yeah someone saves (laughs) someone said it and then give us bonuses And and what's coming out now is that Amazon has nothing to do with it. It's just run poorly. Yeah, and Walmart and Target are just capturing their market share. The one fact that I did find interesting is um, it says shoppers in smaller markets defined as uh, suburbs or cities less than 400,000 people preferred one-stop shops over specialized stores. So urban consumers like the specialty stores. But these smaller markets all like these one-stop shops like a Target or a Walmart. So I don't know. So basically you're saying the study is saying that it's not Amazon because look at Walmart and Target. But Walmart and Target aren't Toys R Us. They're one-stop shop stores, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If you want toys, you can get them at Walmart or Target, but Mm -hmm. you can also get clothes and everything else. Toys R Us is just toys. So maybe I I don't see that as evidence for saying it's not Amazon. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying it was Amazon, but I'm just saying that's. I think that's bad evidence. Uh, yeah. Amazon when was, was the last time? Involved. Yeah, pro- yeah. <laughs> Don't compare us to them. <laughs> when was the last time you were in a Toys R Us? When I was a kid. Well, we we just went last year yeah. by by a stroller in a car seat. From Toys R Us. Yep. Why'd you uh, Why'd you baby, choose that? Babies R Us. Oh. oh. Mm. Is Babies R Us going under too? Yeah, I think so. It folded it's all as one? well. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time you went to Toys R Us, John? Uh, I would say back when I was in college, I used to do a Sub for Santa, where you'd go and buy gifts for kids. And uh, anyways, I, I went there because that's what the card said to do. Okay. <laughs> I think the last time I went was maybe the last time they changed the signage on the front of their building. Like, so like I haven't been 90s. there since, <laughs> since, the, yeah, since the colors were, you know... Vivid and Chris, yeah. <laughs> All the paint wasn't chipping. Yeah, and it wasn't covered in burb poop. Here's the thing, man. I, I think, like, some, some not my fondest, but some fond memories I have in my childhood are at Toys R Us. Like, it was a cool place. Like, like the smell of the bike section. And, and the Nickelodeon section I thought was really cool, too, yeah. and fun. Uh, Huffy. And, and I think that, it, I, I don't know, but I'm betting that they're not as inv- investing as much or haven't been in the experience and making it a fun place for kids to be so that kids are saying, can we go there? Uh, Because really, uh, 
you know, I think they also have the opportunity to say like, hey, you know, stay at home moms, which is frankly probably a huge percentage of the target traffic, uh, stay at home moms. Uh, like what what is going to encourage a stay at home mom to want to go to Toys R Us? You know, do they have cool stuff for the kids to do? And you can just sit yeah, a play and relax, place. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I yeah. can't help but think that if they put a play place in there in all their locations, it would have saved their company. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Too many old guys running this place. Okay, so last thing I'll mention here. So Richie Norton, he's the author of a book called The Power of Doing Something Stupid. He did starting something stupid. Start, yeah, The Power of Starting Something Stupid. He did a uh, a walkthrough. He actually went to a Toys R Us building because he had been hearing about the quote, air quote, Amazon effect on Toys R Us, and he wanted to kind of diagnose it on his own. So he kind of went to a store to to see if he could see signs of uh, not like signage, but you know like signs of uh dilapidation or whatever anyway i want to share just a a brief clip from a video that he recently published hey i'm in toys r us with my boy card i'm gonna talk quietly so i'm not super rude but it's going out of business and the most nice thing that he doesn't want to be rude is, isn't just that it's going out of business and that going online is what's happening but a lot of these businesses all these toy companies that are selling to toys r us they're they're going to lose massive amounts of sales because they're usually in the wholesale business. But I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on, like just internally within one store. If you look behind me as you leave Toys R Us, it says, come back and save soon. Do you come to Toys R Us thinking you're going to save money? Because I've never heard of that before. <laughs> you don't go to Toys R Us to save money. Did you notice anything else from that video that stuck out to you? The Maui song? Yeah. Yep. That was my favorite part. That's like, I think, my favorite song in that in that movie. We listen to that over and over and over at my house. So you hate it? Uh, no, I like it because my son does that. Uh, he has a little dance where he dances like Maui. That's hilarious. It's really cool to watch. As he was going through the store, he noticed that there were a ton of cheap toys. Like mm -hmm. they had partnered with Chinese companies to make really cheap toys to pack, to pack their shelves basically taking away from the experience of being in Toys R Us and looking at ways to fill the shelves with cheaper toys. Mm. Uh, another thing that he pointed out was the fact that uh, um, Toys R Us had exclusive deals with toy companies that prevented toys from being able to uh, be sold anywhere else. And they lost Amazon those deals? Included. I, I'm not sure. I, I Well, you think about... Because normally you think that like an exclusive an exclusive deal would be good, but there has to be demand for the toys that the exclusive the, the exclusivity well, is for. I guess if uh, if they're kind of paying for that exclusivity and the toys aren't being purchased, then they're hit like doubly yeah. hard. Yeah. So they probably didn't get that with the Avenger toys. Yeah. Like they they didn't ex get exclusivity with like Disney with Marvel or yeah. Some, yeah something mm -hmm. massive that would have brought in. I'm sh yeah, there's no yeah there's no <laughs> there's no way Disney would make a deal like that with Toys yeah. R Us. Anyway, so that's Toys R Us. Uh, if you're in the retail space, don't blame your problems on Amazon. Do you guys remember getting Jeffrey dollars? As no, kids? the little giraffe dollars. Yeah, the little dollars yeah. with the giraffe on it, and they were basically like store credit or uh -huh. whatever. Could only be spent at Toys R Us. Uh huh. No, Those I don't remember cool. that. Those were fun. Where would you get them? For your birthday yeah. or from your grandma <laughs> or something. <laughs> Where does your grandma get Jeffrey dollars? To it's basically me? a gift card. Yeah. But oh, it so, looks like okay. money and kids, you know, are like want to be adults and like this. These are my Jeffrey dollars and I can go spend my dollars at the toy store. And okay. it was fun. Yeah, it was. I should have brought that back. Huh? It's a shame. Yeah, it's too bad. Good place. All right. So moving on from Toys R Us, uh, Mark Zuckerberg recently was in Congress for a couple days. Zuckerberg. Why do you say it like that? That's what people are calling him now. The board. Because he's like a robot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Shows zero emotion. So his Instagram posts and like when you drink water, they're like Mark Zuckerberg tasting water the first time. So <laughs> they, there's one. He had kind of, of like the, a weird face. Yeah, on, there's like, one of him drinking where it's like run program, drink water, <laughs> raise arm, tilt. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it is kind of like that. There were, a, there were a couple instances, probably more than a couple, if you, you know, you watch the videos and there are instances where the emotion most emoted was like contempt mm. slash uh, he would just like smile knowing that he's like talking pity. to idiots. <laughs> contempt and pity. <laughs> so, okay. So for those of you who have been living under rock, Mark Zuckerberg was pulled in front of uh, a, a congressional hearing for two days in a row for several hours at a time based on the breaches that have happened at Facebook through 
uh, Cambridge Analytica, getting access to something like 87 million different um, users' information. So con uh, Congress got him in front front of this board or uh, this hearing and was basically grilling him on, you know, what problems Facebook has, what they're doing to fix them, and things like that. So before I share my thoughts, I want to get your opinions. What uh, besides Zuckerberg and him being kind of a cyborg and not showing any emotion, was that? Do you have any opinions on on this story? Um, I just have a fun little fact I just found on CNN Money. So we, although, are, we already know Mark Zuckerberg is a billionaire. Yeah, no. So get this. The days he was in Congress testifying, just those 10 hours alone, he earned an additional $3 billion because the Facebook shares went up about 3% during his time in Congress. You no, know, I, I heard about that. Why, why do you think that is? His apology? Because Facebook took a hit. I wonder if it's three points net because when when Cambridge Analytica the whole story came out Facebook took a pretty deep yeah, plunge. Yeah. It's probably because of that plunge that it rose, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just coming back up. Yeah. Yeah. Like like if if this would be way more interesting if if it was started with since Cambridge Analytica he's mm -hmm. lost 50 billion in that 10 hours he got 3 of it back or whatever. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's a fun fact I guess. Here are my thoughts on everything. Okay. And I know uh, I shared your same thoughts, so I'm going to say it first. So uh, it is attributed to no. me. But one, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I am not, I'm, I'm in favor of data being protected and all that. Um, I'm not exactly uh, against Mark Zuckerberg, though. I feel like Congress has done a pretty poor job of questioning. And I think it's uh, like, prepare. If you're about to interview the owner uh, and founder of the largest social network online do some homework and understand how it works yeah don't send uh, don't send your aides to type up a yeah, report for freaking you freaking orange hatch asking how, how they make money. money like hey if this is a free platform how do you make money that is embarrassing i'm embarrassed for utah uh, I'm embarrassed for Congress and like the US government frankly you know what it felt so, like so i'm i'm for policy being made about i think there needs to be policy uh, on all the data that's collected but i don't trust anybody in congress to make that policy Bunch so but, but you think buffoons. but you think that government should create the policy well i mean that's what policy is right well i mean facebook also has its own policy no i think government there should be government there should be law regulating data i think i disagree with that there should be privacy laws. There, yeah, there, be, there are privacy laws. Yeah, but they're not, they're way behind the, the whole. Internet. The whole reason the whole reason Mark Zuckerberg was brought before a congressional a congressional hearing is because privacy laws were broken. Yeah. So I mean, laws exist. They're trying to figure out, hey, how do we make it so this doesn't happen again? Uh, I think the fact that it's a free service, like it's free, you as a user can choose whether or not to give them your information. No, a user cannot. No, if, you can. No, no the, it just no. came out yesterday that they collect data on people who aren't even users, and those people cannot opt out of that. And in order to get the information that Facebook has on them, they have to then create an account to request the information they have. So, no, you can't opt out. Okay. That's valid. That's Which scary. I think there needs to be regulation on that. On whether or not they could collect data? Right. You so, shouldn't, like, freaking Equifax. They shouldn't have the ability to gather data on me without my permission. And they do, and then they lose it, and then I have no recourse. So, what what information what information uh, are they privy to? I don't know. Like, don't you think they have deals with like the credit card companies where they you, can see my purchase history, they yeah. can see my employment, they can see where I live, my home, how much I paid for my home. Uh, obviously, access to public records. Sure, but they compile all of that against my will, and then they lose that information. So they, they basically gather all this data, making it more valuable by gathering it, and then that becomes a, a, an attractant to people who want to hack it, and then they lose it. And I, I never gave them a consent to gather sure. it in the first place, and now I'm damaged, and I have no recourse. Sure. Like, so, honestly, like, I, I'm so pissed off by Equifax. So I do I, – I, I, like, uh, I feel like we got into something a little bit broader than what I was talking about. My beef is not with Facebook. My beef is with – a broader privacy thing, right? Uh -huh. Like if uh, when you go as broad as you just did, yes, there should be policy in place that restricts companies from being able to compile things against your will and all that stuff. But when I'm talking about Facebook specifically, 
they have i mean they do have policy in place this was this was like a a fringe event when right? you this say is, when you say they you mean facebook facebook yes facebook has policy in place that like is supposed to restrict things like this from happening yeah but i don't i there's facebook's policy and then there's the law which i think we shouldn't rely on trusting the companies to create their own self-policing policies and then trust that that's going to prevent things from happening. Like there should be punishment for violating stuff that we all consider to be reasonable, which we haven't agreed on because there is no policy in place. Government policy. And really that's the only thing that's going to stop them is if there is a hefty punishment. Yeah. Because if it's, you're letting them police themselves, I mean, yeah, and even look, yeah. the, the, you know, look what happened if yeah. you let them police themselves. And, Although and in a perfect in a Zuckerberg, perfect world, in a perfect world, it wouldn't be the government policing them; it would be its users. Sure, but it's not mm-hmm. a perfect world, yeah. and we've got users uh, who are just as dumb as, as, if not dumber than Congress, who don't understand what they're doing when they sign up for this. Yeah. Yeah. So I want I want to come back to the the Congress comments we were making before, the way that. I felt as I was watching them and, and and this is this is pretty typical of my opinion of of Congress but uh it feels like that person that you work with that doesn't have a lot of work to do and then when something comes up they have an opinion about it not yeah. just an opinion but it's like oh I've I there's something I can do and they just like latch on mm-hmm. and uh and y- you think of uh every like I listen I listen to several different congressmen grilling mark zuckerberg and it's the same thing it's the same exact thing it's like every congressman has to have their spotlight and their time to well, basically yeah, say the, the exact same campaigning. thing yeah. like yeah. T- it's just ten, a campaign yeah. spot 10 hours uh, that's well, unnecessary so they can say, look i asked mark zuckerberg the hard questions vote for me next election mm-hmm. like that's all that was it'd be really interesting to see how many of them took money from from oh, facebook know. lobbyists I know. Okay. in the last 10 well, years yeah. funny richie norton bring him up again he just tweeted out the politicians screwed themselves. The Facebook info may have been a shared in a weird way, but I 100% guarantee every politician has used social ba- social media-based, demographically targeted ads <laughs> to run their influence. I thought you were going to come in with some awesome stat, but all you basically said was that Richie Norton 100% guarantees <laughs> that. They, <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, I just okay. Think it's funny. Glad because it's like, on this. Exactly. This <laughs> is just a big media day for these politicians it to is. say, yep. so, hey, I grilled them, and then, by the way, I'm still going to use right. his platform to get you to vote for me. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. would be Facebook's interesting problem. to see how many of them took money from his lobbyists. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I bet for sure if even if not directly indirectly, they have all been paid by Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now I want to set everything that I've said and you guys have said aside and throw one last wrench into the spokes here. I actually think that this is a sham. Like I think the government already has a back backdoor access to Facebook and all the information that's there. And because the Cambridge Analytica thing came out, they had to create this uh, theatrical response that basically shows the public, hey, we're taking care of it. You know, Facebook screwed up. We're taking care of it. But then in... Let me pull out my tinfoil hat real quick. (laughs) The fact that you said your tinfoil hat. I've got one for you, too. There's your tinfoil hat. (laughs) Tinfoil that sounds exactly like paper. Uh, But honestly, I think there are people out there, and, and part of me actually agrees that, like, Facebook is so powerful. There's no there's no way that they don't have a, a foothold in our government proceedings. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That uh, I, I mean, and maybe that's why Mark was so cyborgy because he's like, nothing's going to happen to me. In Ooh. fact, it was probably a government aide that wrote his notes. That got <laughs> Do you remember when he released. was kind of gearing up to run for president? Zucky? Yeah. No, I don't. He was doing that tour across in America, Iowa. getting those photo shoots in. Uh, I, I think don't. You don't I remember that, that at all? all? You say remember. I don't think I ever knew. Really? Yeah, it was funny because uh, someone went back and broke down all the f- pictures and how they are framed and he's positioned in such a way is to make him look taller than is he, he actually is. he a short is. guy? Like, like, I know he was sitting on like a weird uh, cushion or something yeah, like somebody that. somebody was, was saying it? he was sitting on a booster seat the whole yeah. time. I don't know <laughs> if that's true. But. I saw it. It looked like it was a, a briefcase that he was sitting on. I he was 5'7". 
he uh, he was sitting on a phone book. Short. It's not short, but it's shorter. It's shorter, but it's not like five three short. No. Yeah, no, but no. like, who does someone like Mark Zuckerberg have to prove themselves to in a way that they have to look taller than? Well, that's they are. the point. That's the whole reason. Like, he wasn't saying I'm going to run for president, but he was doing this weird tour across America, meeting with farmers and meeting with blue collar workers and getting his photo ops, and they were trying to make him look taller. And it's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> Except that you are thinking about running for president, like. <laughs> So it was never announced. No, he was one, running no for president. one's going to no. vote for a short president. Maybe that's it. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, you know, think he's weak. Yeah, that's what well, Facebook did. I think that is a thing. Facebook did. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Any last comments there before we move on? I remember, and I'll never forget. In uh, years ago, Jacob, you and I had a debate about whether or not uh, you said Facebook will always exist as a company. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Hmm. And so uh, I always think about that. Anytime something happens with Facebook is like, is this the moment I get a rub in Jacob's face? <laughs> Boom. Facebook's gone. You know, it's funny because I actually remembered that yesterday. I thought of that. Oh, and really? I was thinking of of everything at that. I mean, this was several years ago. Yeah. At that time. This is even before Instagram. Yeah. You would like, how could you ever conceive of something like this? All I know is that when someone has an argument and they use an absolute, take the other side. Because I have infinity on my side. And you, like, if if Facebook is not around in 200 years from now, I win that argument. And I have that until infinity. If it's, if it's yeah, if it's 200 years, then I th- I'm sure I won't care. <laughs> no, we'll I don't, I don't think, uh, I mean, so we talked about this last week on the show. Facebook has shut down third-party access um, to their ad platform and, um, and beyond. I don't know what the extent of it is, but... Mm. I don't think I don't think any like this is no. a small tiny little speed. No, I'll never get that data. I don't back. think this is the end of end of like, Facebook. Yeah. Plus in Cambridge, I'm sure they've sold it and farmed it out so much yeah. that it's on so many servers. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's not it's back. not just that, but I think I think we as a society are so used to data breaches that it doesn't even affect us as much yeah. as it uh, it once what would have. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh. Well, I mean, how many times can my data be lost or given away? I mean, everyone already has all my stuff. All I'm relying on now is the fact that there are seven or nine or whatever billion people on the planet. And I'm just a tiny little one. Well, like, like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, it's the, it's an odds game. No one cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. No one cares about me. And, and it's, Hmm. I don't know. Apathy apathy is your, yeah. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Easy. That's the perfect word to describe my, attitude towards yeah data breaches i do uh dislike facebook to be honest as a platform and uh i really don't s- i don't know instagram i think has legs but among like uh all the younger kids that i know they don't use facebook at all no th- facebook is going to be it's going to evolve into parent company with other things oh yeah it's gonna instagram own it, yeah and- that's how Facebook is going to live forever. They're it's just buy buying Snapchat up every somewhere. single new thing uh, <laughs> and incorporate it into their platform. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I just think from our perspective, I see what you're saying, but there are companies that were bigger that are no longer here. Sears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sears was the Amazon of the yeah. 1950s and 60s. Yep. And JCPenney. And Macy's. Yep. Yeah. Now that they lose their founders, they lose their direction, and they just kind of become a shell. Freaking Toys R Us, man. Look at there that. There you go. Yep. Uh, I just think you, you, you stand in a certain perspective, and it just seems, how could that ever happen? And then it just it kind of does. And when it happens, it's not surprising. You know, like none of us are sitting here shocked that Sears isn't as powerful as it used to be. You know? It's a slow bleed. And I think when you know, Facebook apathy. dies, they won't be surprised. And it will be like, yeah, it's going to be more apathetic downfall yeah we'll see who knows when though we'll see all right so joseph yes i'm ready for kickstarter all right so i think there are a lot of people who i I think kickstarter is pretty well known yeah uh hundreds of thousands millions of people probably have been on there and and uh let me start with this how many people here have backed a specific campaign on kickstarter yeah john yeah have you have you backed one of joseph's projects i have his backpack yes okay I imagine you've probably contributed to I have a few campaigns. Yeah. What about you, Pax? I have not. Really? Okay. Uh, No, it's like uh, I think 
back last time I looked at Kickstarter was maybe four years ago, and I remember thinking, I don't want to send my money and not get something right now. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that used to happen a lot too. Back yeah. four years ago, there's a lot of projects. Yeah, they didn't go through. Yeah, but uh, so that was about the time you bought your uh, coin. I was just gonna say I've backed one project on was Kickstarter. Was that Kickstarter? Yeah. No, that was just a pre-order. I don't think no, that was through, that was through Kickstarter. Oh yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, I was there's on no coin. It's the debit card that oh, holds. I've heard about that. Eight yeah. different debit cards or whatever. So I contributed. Um, yeah, it was like. Did they do a million? You did a you you paid a hundred bucks for two. No, it was I didn't buy two. It was fifty, 50 bucks, bucks for, for one. one. Hmm. Now that you mention it, Pax, I'm not. It was. I think it was a Kickstarter was campaign, just, but I didn't. I didn't do it on Kickstarter. You did it through their website. Ah, okay. I did it through web, their website afterward. So uh, you did a pre-order, and it's I did supposed a pre-order. to be delivered right. three months, six months. I don't know. It was two, two years. years. Ended up being two it years. Was two years, and I finally got it. And and, right, and it he you know got what? it I about. If I still have he got it, it about wallet. the time that uh, Apple, oh, Apple came out with the well, Apple not just pay. Apple Pay, but you could add your cards, yeah. like multiple cards. You know, I have it right here. Oh, I guess that's just Apple Pay. Yeah, there it is. There, there it, is. it is. I don't know the last time I pulled this thing out of my wallet. I don't know why I still have it. Does it work? It's it's it says. Do you see? It says lock on there. Ooh. I think because there's a passcode. There's a, there's one button on this little tiny card, and it's like Morse code passcode to like unlock it. I'm not sure I remember what it is. <laughs> dot dot dash dot dot. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but yep. So so coin that was a pretty big fail. So <clears throat> before we get too far into it, Joseph, I think there are some people kind of like Paxton who are like. I haven't been on for four years. Yeah. I don't really... Maybe there's some people who are like, Kickstarter, what the heck is that? Why don't you tell us what Kickstarter is? We'll Kicks- start there. Yeah, Kickstarter is a really cool platform that allows creators to create products and sell them at scale without having to invest in inventory. So it's basically crowdsourcing your funding. Crowdsourcing your funding. And it's been, it's interesting. I mean, it's a fun, it's an interesting platform because you have a lot of weird products like Coin that are almost like, you know, those we're old enough that, you know, Saturday morning TV, the yeah. infomercials yeah. that are basically just like infomercials stuff that you're like, that's not a product. Like it's not going to, it doesn't have legs. They're not going to yeah. sell that on Amazon. They're not going to sell it afterwards. And a lot of the there's products, a, there's a reason they sell it at 2am. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of, um, they put a lot of stuff on there on Kickstarter and it almost has the same effect. Cause you remember how it'd be like, but wait, there's more, yep, you know, yep. and you like watch these videos and they're almost the exact same. They follow those formulas where they're like, this has a hundred different things. And you look at it, and you're like, no one's ever going to use that. But then it is over a million dollars. Yeah. And so there's like this really like interesting place where you have people that create dumb products that they figure out how to market and manipulate Kickstarter. And they're really good at face or they're really good at Facebook marketing and they can break a million with it. But then that's it they go bankrupt or the company just goes away because yeah. nobody's going to really buy that product. So before we get too far down Sorry. that hole, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there is a specific rule on Kickstarter that you have to have a prototype. Is that right? Yes. Like you can't just go on with an idea and say, Hey, I want your money so that I can, you need more than drawings. Right. Yeah. So, so if somebody is interested or someone has an idea and they want funding, but they want to, they don't want to go to, you know, shark tank or yeah. or you know find some angel investors to invest in it but they want to they think it might be a good product for kickstarter what what's the bare minimum that they need in order to get get it on kickstarter and and get started funding it so the whole requirement is interesting because you're not required to send in to kickstarter a product or a sample so it's what's in your video it's what's in your pictures like, do they watch it before they approve? Yeah, they um, they have some, I think it's like three days once you submit your project. But it's, um, I mean, if, you, if you're if you a good graphic designer and you can make stuff look real, and I've actually talked to people that have done that before, where they didn't even have a prototype, but they could make it look real in photos and in video, that's all you need, which is scary but um most most of that's gone though now because people are getting pretty sophisticated they, they under, they're able to understand um what a, you know because there would be like make a video and show us what it does how it works like this so there's a lot more videos that go up um but uh, you have to have a working prototype so if you buy something before it goes into production does your money go into arbitration no it actually goes to the creator well 
So after the project ends, then it goes to the creator. It would have to because the creator needs the money in order sure. to, to yeah, make sure. Sure. Yeah, they need to put. But it then, in. what if they take that money and run? So they, the U.S. government enacted some laws to because there there were a couple of projects where they just more like, than a couple. There were a lot yeah. <laughs> actually back in four years ago. There were a lot. They were just bounced with money, and they'd find, oh, they bought a boat or they bought a house, and they would never yeah. fulfill a product. Um, there is a um, uh, a couple laws. There's one that allows for uh, people who backed a project to bring a class action lawsuit against the creator. And then a lot of states have enacted laws to research. If anybody declares for bankruptcy, um, there was the coolest cooler. Did you guys ever hear about that one? Yeah. They did the, 13, like LED lights in it. Yeah, they did like $13 million on a cooler that you would use once and never use again. But he went bankrupt. And he has been sued by at least five states where they come in and they look at his books. Because the thing is, you if you legitimately take that money and you go, if you're going to fulfill it wherever, and you go and you use all the money to try to fulfill it, and in the end, for whatever reason, technology is too expensive or something, and it doesn't, you can't create it, there's nothing that they'll do to you. Because you actually try to create and, the product. And that's the point of Kickstarter is it's it's... It, you're not buying a product. You're investing. Yeah. And so there's risk involved. Yeah, well, there's, you're not investing. Th- no, that's exactly what you're doing. You're investing in the individual. I mean, you're getting... You're investing in the product that they're yeah. about to create. Yeah. In a sense, you are. I mean, you get no equity in the company. You get a discount. Yeah. You, yeah. You're investing. Typically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a discount. Most people run a discount. Um, but... So, uh, so, so there, I, I think there are two... There may be more, actually, and, and maybe you can... But as I was kind of reading up on this... There were two because I I thought the same thing. Like, I know there are instances where people just take the money and run. Yeah, there are like you mentioned. There are the type of people who put together a cool video with this cool product with without ever having the intention of creating it. They just want the money. Yeah, but then there are the people who legitimately have a product yeah. and they can't fulfill on it, and they still get to keep the money. Yeah. So, I, so as I was reading up on this, there are there are a few well, examples. You can't just keep the money. You have to you have to be able to show because if they bring a lawsuit against yeah. you, you have to be able to show that all that that there's no leftover money. Yeah. Because if, if there's any leftover money, you have to send it back. But so how all, send it back to who? To the backers. Like in how do they know which backers' money well, was spent, to, like, and which wasn't? Split it up amongst all of them. Okay. There has to be like some type of like. Look, we tried. There's this leftover. I mean, yeah. I think if you were in that situation, you would just try to put the rest of it towards the project. But, um, but yeah, if if you legitim- if you can show that you legitimately tried to fulfill the product, I mean, you're, you know, you then you have to live with that. And you're you can't do any. You'd have a hard time doing stuff on Kickstarter again. So if you have a business like yours where uh, you have many different Kickstarter yeah. campaigns. Uh, and let's say one of your products doesn't work out for whatever reason and you can't fulfill and the money is spent from that campaign. Do they then expect you to exhaust all of your business resources to in repaying the backers for that one project or just the resources from that one project? I don't know. Um, I haven't done that much, that deep of a dive. I would assume that you could show that, and I mean, it's just an assumption, so I don't even know if I should go that far in it. But I, it would, if you could show that the funds that came in were used. Right. Um, I mean, we're actually, we had a manufacturing issue on a product. We just, a product we just shipped out, and it was a couple months late, so we just shipped it out really fast. I didn't even look at it until like after it was shipped because I was these. Uh, this manufacturer's always been good to me, and we sent out two hundred products and they were wrong. Mm. And now we have to go get those two hundred made again. It's going to cost. All told, it cost me another eight thousand dollars. Wow! To get the product and send it out, so that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, for us, we'll we'll just we don't do electrical or uh, technical. I guess we don't use like electrical wiring and products. And I think that's where people run into the most problems when they have to design. You know, uh, uh, figure out how the engineering or whatever goes. We just have you know leather and wax cotton and stuff like that. So we easy we'll, stuff. Yeah, we'll always fulfill it. I mean, it might we might lose money on a project, but that's not the the objective isn't always to make money for us. So, so actually I, w- I want to get into your specific project and the okay. company that you work for. Uh, but I'm not done with what we were okay. talking about. No, no, before. that's fine. I think this is interesting. So there were, the, uh, so I looked into some, uh, some companies that, 
basically got in over their head. Yeah. And, and I want to talk through some some of these examples. Have you guys heard of the YouTube uh, channel called Yog Yog's Cast? So I don't know that much no. about them, but they um, th- they have a ton of followers. I think they're in the millions of followers on on YouTube. Well, they had this idea: hey, let's kickstart a new video game because that's kind of what their oh, okay. channel is about. Yeah. They're like they they either play or review okay. games or whatever. They're like, let's make our own, and they were going to call it Yog Ventures. Okay. And this 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 is this is cool. So, I mean, it's not cool for them or anyone who backed them, but uh, so these guys they. They basically got on Kickstarter. They created a video. They requested I don't know how much money, and they raised over half a million dollars. Hmm. And then, and this is back in 2012, back when I think this was a little bit more rampant. Yeah. Uh, and they they labeled it as the game you've always wanted, which I think is like kind of a cliche <laughs> in, in the gaming world. But um, what happened was basically uh, they were trading favors. Like there was. Uh. There was, uh, they weren't the ones developing it. They yeah. hired some guy to develop it. But then all of a sudden, this guy, he had other projects. And he was just like, I don't really have time to do this. And, uh, and they finally sent one last message out saying, hey, we're actually not going to be able to finish this project. Uh, we're not obligated to give your money back. But there's this other game that some friends of ours is creating. And it's called Tug. Uh, anyone who has backed us will get a free code to download this game when it's complete. So that's kind of what they were like. They were like, hey, sorry, we screwed up. Yeah. Uh, but in return, we're not going to give your money back. We're going to give you a code so you can di- so you can download this other game called Tug that isn't done yet but should be a cool game. Uh, well, Tug never actually got finished either. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I actually was uh, – there. Tug's, Tug also did a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. And in their video – it's kind of like a bunch of talking heads. I think Kickstarter does a ton of different video types, right? Yeah. Like, but yeah. this was like they had their creative director and they had their art director and they had their CEO and their CMO and they they just went like from person to person and they just explained what the game was about and how they came to it and they had like a PhD and something or other or whatever and, and it was just like one person after another that they, that they were interviewing and I went on LinkedIn and I started I started looking up every single person who was in this video and not a single one of them still worked at the company who was supposed to be creating Tug. So, uh, so Yog, whatever, Yogcast promises this awesome video, get half a million dollars, can't, can't uh, deliver on the yeah. game that they were originally supposed to make, offered everyone who backed them a game code to a game that was never created. And uh, you, you, you look at the, I'm sure you've probably looked at the comments. Yeah. You look at comments on these Kickstarter things, and if you're late... Holy cow! You yeah. are. They let you know. They let the trolls. That yeah. Mm. Who let the trolls out? Is yeah. You know <laughs> that made me. Out. That reminded me of something. I actually did. It wasn't Kickstarter, but I did pre-order uh, Karma, a little Wi-Fi hotspot, and they took over a year to send me hmm. uh, the Karma. And I remember this before your phone became a hotspot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I only remember that because I would look at the forums every once in a while see when is this coming out and it was just like with every week that went by people just screaming yeah. and losing get, their heads over not angry. getting yeah. this when they were promised yeah people get yeah. very angry on kickstarter yeah they totally do last thing i'll say here and then we'll get okay, we'll no, get over fine. to kind of what yeah. you're working on uh the one the one thing that stood out to me the most here is that i feel like influencer mark or influencers like youtubers mm-hmm. like yogcast or others who may have hundreds of thousands or millions yeah. of followers I feel like they're the perfect type of person to get backers. Like you, oh, yeah. you come up with a cool idea or this product yeah. and then you just, just, you just talk about it on your, on your YouTube channel. Yeah. Have a link in the description to the Kickstarter campaign. And all of a sudden you have millions of people who are willing to donate money so that you can get this project going. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine a better opportunity. Like I'm think as I'm thinking about it, cause Brandon has his tech audit TV and he's got, I don't know how many subscribers he's at now. Something like 30,000 or wow. something. That's pretty good. But uh, I'm just like... It's nothing compared to the listeners on this show, right? (laughs) Well, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so... uh, Okay, Joseph. Oh, he is. Just under 20... Or just under 30,000 subscribers. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Yeah, it's not bad. Brandon, when you listen to this episode, I'll be expecting a Kickstarter campaign coming up. I'll uh, set you up with a expert that I just met. (laughs) Okay, so tell us about your company. Sure. 
So my my company is the Breton Company or, or Breton Company, and it's uh, we just make uh, backpacks and other products that are really useful and convenient. And um, the big thing is the look of the bag. We like the more of like a high end kind of satchel look, but it's not a satchel; it's a backpack. Okay, that's so the easiest way to describe it. So let me it. pause you real quick, John. You own the backpack. Yes, I John do. has one here. He has and a black version. He's holding it up for me. In your own words, John, can you describe this backpack and what you love about it? Um, I like the tagline that he uses. It's called the modern day briefcase. So it's just a it's a backpack. So it's very functional, but then it's also it's nice. It's made of good material, leather, and is it leather? It looks kind of canvas from well, here. So it's leather, leather straps. Leather, okay, and leather and wax cotton. Yeah, that's what's good. Cool. Yeah, it's just yeah. really durable too. I mean, I beat it up. How long have you had it? Um, I think like over two years now. I think. Yeah. And did you over. did you back it originally? Yeah, you did. Uh-huh. How much did you back? Uh, just, I was one of the first bidders on because he let me know as soon as it went live, and so I bid right away. Okay, that didn't answer my question. So I'm trying to remember how much I. What was the initial bid? For the uh, one seventy nine. How much did you pay early? One hundred and seventy nine dollars. Wow. Yeah, Man, they was, sell for one ninety nine on our website. Okay, so you got a little bit of a discount. Yeah, single disposable income. You wouldn't do that now. Probably not. My wife would. Uh, Raise an eyebrow. Oh, raise an eyebrow. <laughs> it would take a little bit more than a, ri- a, a risen eyebrow for me not to spend some money. Okay, so you do you kickstart every product that you release? We have, yeah. And how many products do you have? We have four. We have a, the backpack. We did a wallet. Um, I think I actually have Do you have the wallet, John? I do. I don't. I have my Holy wallet. Cow. Yeah, just a simple. What's it called? Uh, the user-friendly wallet. I don't know if you noticed, but Paxton, he's really interested in wallets. Yeah. So it just has a simple, so you can slide your cards out the bottom there. It's hard to, I guess, to explain that to the consumers. It's one piece of leather. Yeah. Like five years ago, I used to make wallets. That's one of them. Oh, okay. Uh, But I would make them all by hand, stitch them by hand, and I was like, I'm going to sell these. (laughs) I was like, for this to be worth it, I have to sell for like three hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. yeah wallets are hard to sell well not, i mean they're just the price point on wallets are yeah are difficult so what do your wallets go for they we sell them for 49 on our website um and then we always do discounts and sales around holidays is there a below the fold discount code you can uh throw out right now uh yeah below the fold all right sure we'll do it below the fold and it'll be 20 percent off anything on our, on our website nice nice sure cool all right so if you're listening below that, the fold will that will that uh expire uh, uh no we won't put an expiration date nice well, that's what are your other two products uh so we did a weekender <clears throat> with a packing system and then we did a what's a weekender it's like a like a duffel bag a bigger duffel oh, okay bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah they call them weekenders or bigger duffel bags um thing pops up a lot that looks nice but that's just like it. that Okay, I like that. And I it's a like bigger that. travel bag, like a car travel bag. You wouldn't necessarily... I wouldn't use it to air travel just because I don't want to carry around a bag, but some people do. Yeah. And then we have a little gym bag, like a gym duffel bag. Okay, so you started with the backpack. Yeah. And uh, walk us through the process from ideation until uh, completion of the Kickstarter campaign. Sure. So I was in Italy. I was. I used to work for a company called Freshly Picked. I know freshly picked. Yeah. We're trying to get Susan on the show. Yeah. She'd be we haven't awesome. tried that hard, but yeah, <laughs> he reached out. Yeah. She's actually my older sister. No way. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, you know, I, I was, I wasn't qualified, but she hired me anyways, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was in a f- former life. I was an attorney. <laughs> wow. I was a, I worked at a law firm downtown Salt Lake. And then she was like, well, why don't you come work for me? And I was like, okay. What do you want me to do? <laughs> That's basically kind of how it worked out. And uh, so I would buy leather, and I did the operations and legal for Freshly Picked for a couple of years. Oh, so you worked for her as a lawyer. And, yeah, and as a director of operations. Okay, I, think, I was going like to ask. You go, you're a lawyer. She says, hey, come sell some baby moccasins. And you're like, yes, please, thank you. Well, no, was, yeah, I did not. I was not really involved with the selling. I was more in the operations okay. and um, production and stuff. So I was in... Italy buying leather and I was at the they have this massive leather conference in Italy twice a year in Milan uh, yeah it's in Milan and I was walking around and I had on like a kind of a backpack like a college backpack something you would wear in college like a nylon bag and I just kind of felt like a schmuck (laughs) because everyone had on like a leather attache a leather satchel 
you know, canvas, nice wax, can, uh, wax cotton canvas yeah. bags and yeah. stuff. And, and I was just, I was like, wow, this doesn't really fit in. And I didn't, I didn't want like a satchel because I traveled a lot. I was always on the go when I worked there. So I was like, I need a backpack. And I just kind of started thinking. And over the course of like, I think three or four months, the idea kind of came together. Um, and the la- the, when it all came together, I was actually sitting in my office looking at my bag that I used to travel. And I was like, what if I just put canvas and leather on the outside and then it had all the organization on the inside? Because a lot of like nice bags, like they look nice on the outside, like a Filson bag. I don't know if you ever seen one of those, but you open it and there's no pockets. Just empty. It's just yeah. like a, it's an expensive garbage bag, really. Because you put your stuff in there and it gets lost. And so I just wanted a lot of organization inside a nice looking bag. And, and, and with Freshly Picked, you have the equipment to put together your prototype. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was easy to put, get prototypes when I, <laughs> from my connections I got there, from getting leather from Italy to getting just samples made. And so I just kind of, I started, I first tried to do it myself to dry out, draw out my idea. And I'm not a designer, so I didn't know what I was doing. And then <laughs> yeah. I hired, I, I knew a guy and we were kind of talking and he helped me kind of put the idea in, make it real. And it took about... From when I was in Italy to when we launched or to when the product was ready, it was like a year and a couple months. So a year and a couple months, you yeah. put together the Kickstarter video uh-huh. or uh, campaign, which yeah. includes a video. Yeah. Uh, the page should still be up, right? Don't they keep all their it is, projects yeah. up? It's still up. If you go to modern day, if you, if you Googled modern day briefcase Kickstarter, you'd find it. I would, I would assume. Modern I, day what? Briefcase? Modern day briefcase Kickstarter. I bet you'd find it. Yep. It's top. There it is. Yeah. All right. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of your video. Okay. It, so this is your very first video on Kickstarter. Well, technically, no. It was my second video because we made a video and um, it wasn't that good. Wait. So for this campaign? For this campaign, we actually. So originally, we were going to make everything in the U.S. and it was going to be very expensive. Um, it was almost going to be like double the price because when you. U.S. manufacturing is just yeah. really expensive. It is, and um, yeah, and I think s- Bear Butt learned that the hard way. Yeah, yeah. I'll see how that works out for them mm-hmm. with their own factory. Um, but so we were going to do that, and we went a week, and we had kind of a spike from all the pre-work we had done, and then it just kind of dropped off, yeah, like pretty dramatically. And I was like, we need to reboot the campaign, and so. By I, reboot, you mean start a campaign from scratch, or no, just I didn't want re-upload to start a new from, video. I didn't want to start from scratch because we had done so much work, and yeah. we had got we had got projects that we love, which is a big thing on Kickstarter. If they pick your project as one that they love, it gets a lot more traffic than the other ones. And yeah. so we had a good campaign going, and so um, I just called some friends that I knew did manufacturing in Asia, and I was like, "Hey, can you give me at least a high price quote on this so I can build a campaign around this price?" point that i can you know build off that and they yeah. gave me that and I had some friends did a video and i was like i need a better video and in about four days we completely changed the campaign and relaunched all and right so you're seeing the second video so this is the this is not the crappy video i mean the other video was still good it's made <laughs> by a good friend of mine so it wasn't crappy but all right it's just this one's better let's let's see how this goes sorry i need to turn the volume up on my computer before i founder of the Breton Company. I'm going to show you what's cool about the modern day briefcase. You have long hair in this video. In designing this bag, we wanted to create a comfortable alternative to the standard briefcase. Satchels look professional, but they can be uncomfortable and hurt your shoulder. Backpacks are great at organizing your stuff, but they can make you look and feel out of place in a professional environment. The modern day briefcase is professional, comfortable, and incredibly organized. Okay, so that kind of that kind of broke it down. Yeah. Who, who's your model here? Uh, those were guys who worked at the video production place. Um, okay, at Big Door. Big Door is actually one that made that video. Okay, so how long ago was this? I'm, I'm looking it for a date here. Oh, 2016. Two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, next month. Yeah, two years next month. So your goal was forty thousand dollars. Yep. And you got over two hundred thousand more than that. Two hundred forty. Yeah. So, so two forty was our total. What's yeah. What's the strategy when you set the goal? Uh, for me, it was that. I, so I read. I read up a bunch what other people said who had done campaigns before me, and they said just like put what it will cost to fulfill your product. Because the worst case scenario is you say you, you put twenty thousand and you barely hit twenty thousand, but it's going to cost 
a hundred thousand right to actually with minimums and stuff when you get to asia and so for me i just put okay if i get 40 i will at least be able to fulfill even if i don't make any money and i'll never do anything with it again i can fulfill the product and move on so so there's i mean the reason why you want to put thought into that is because there's risk when you don't reach your goal is that right yeah so what well, when you don't positive? reach your goal, if you don't reach your goal, there's nothing. You don't get anything. You don't get anything. People get their money back. Or no, they don't debit. They don't charge the cards until the end of the campaign. Oh, okay. So nothing happens um, if you don't hit your goal. Which is why you, yeah, which is why you want to keep it you keep as it low high. as, uh, well, I, as, I think as you, high and low as I, you can. I think you want to keep, you want to be realistic. There's been, um, there's a company called Peak Design and they've, they did... Their last, or wait, their second to last campaign, they did $6 million on the bags, on these different bags. Yeah. Um, and they did, their goal was 500000 because it was going to cost $500,000 to actually, because they had four bags, and it was going to cost 500000 to do the Per four, bag. To, well, to do all the bags and the minimums, it was going to be 500000 And so they, it was a realistic number, and they i mean they blew past it i think yeah. they they hit their goal in like two hours or something wow. ridiculous jeez crazy <laughs> but i mean but so i think a lot of people will say like oh our goal is ten thousand, and they'll know they'll do better but they just want to hit it really fast and there's like some algorithm things that everyone thinks happens when you hit it i just think be realistic be be truthful with it whatever it will cost to fulfill the minimum amount you got to do that Okay, so tell me this. As you try to make money, mm-hmm. first of all, you you kickstart. I mean, the whole idea, I mean, it's in the word kickstart, meaning yeah. you get money to kickstart your product or your company yeah. or whatever. This 242000 that you ended up making, how much of that went directly to the product? And, and do you take some of that as, like, income or, like, can you make money as income through Kickstarter? Or is it is it specifically meant for kickstarting a campaign that later you take, create a website and sell yeah. it? Yeah, so I I did make money off it. I took a salary, like a monthly. I didn't like just give myself a chunk. I yeah. just would salary myself every month on it. Um, and I imagine that's realistic, and that's like yeah. what people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I tell people on if you're going to Kickstarter to make money, or well, are you going to Kickstarter to make money, or are you going to start a company? And if you're going to make money, you you're going to approach it differently than if you are trying to start a company. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, Kickstarter will take the place of venture capital money. If you think about it as, okay, we're starting a company and we're not, our primary concern isn't profit. It's getting as many users as we can, creating the best experience, creating the best product, you know, those types of things that you can carry on to next products and, and into your company. Um, I do know a fair amount of creators on there that their whole objective is to make money. Like they start out and they actually have an algorithm when they make products and they say, if it's breakable, no. If it costs yeah. a lot to ship, no. If we don't have a 6x margin, no. I mean, and, and this is their algorithm before they even do anything on if so any product just has to go through the algorithm. If it doesn't like satisfy it, they get rid of it. But their whole objective is to make money and they make a lot of money. Yeah. That's, and um, that would probably be a much easier way to go. Um, I mean, that's just not what's worked out for us. That's not the direction we've gone. So that, that explains all of those silicone uh, wedding rings. Yes. Mm-hmm. And other like... Kind Super of, easy to ship, not breakable. Yeah. Yep. And the, and they make a lot of money. I have a friend who just did a camera cover and he kind of he kind of came out of that uh, group of people and he did over 100000 It's a silicone camera cover. He has incredible margins. He didn't do any... He paid... He didn't do any Facebook marketing. And he broke a hundred thousand dollars, which is really hard to do, but it can be done if you, you know, they have a whole way of creating products based on what's out there in Kickstarter and the way mm-hmm. people are thinking. And, um, hmm. cause you got a lot of repeat buyers on Kickstarter. Like you can go click on people who buy on your stuff and they've bought like a thousand things on Kickstarter. Wow. And, and they've bought every single backpack and I'm like, well, if you want to buy mine too, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? So it's, it's Kickstarter growing. I don't know. Because they've been around for a long time. That's an interesting question. I think when in 2016, I think that was like its peak. Um, that or I don't know. In 2016, there was a lot of big projects, especially from Utah. There's a lot. It was. It seemed like it was very easy to break 100,000. Hmm. And I think it's harder because um, people have been burned or, or as you, they've had to wait forever on a product. So yeah. they're done. 
Um, and it's just like, I think people are getting wise to what Kickstarter is, but there's still like a real, there's kind of a cult following out there. People that are really into it. I mean, for us, the nice thing is we sell, we had a, a really great Kickstarter, but we've continued to sell products on do our you website. Have, do you have people who back to you the first time who have backed you every single yep. time? Yeah. So you, you kind of do kind of have a, like a fan club. Yeah. Well, we have people who use our products. They like them. They've bought every one of them. Um, and then we have customers who buy on our website. They buy a product and we're able to go back to them and, you know, hey, we're doing this on Kickstarter. Here's a great deal. You can get on the product. You know, do you like, you okay. know. So. So what about pledges? So you, I mean, it's structured in a way where it's tiered, mm-hmm. right? So you're like, if you want to donate this much, here's what you get. If you want to donate this much and you can, yeah. I don't know. What's the strategy behind deciding how much people like to tier it? To like pr- putting the price or how many pledges? Uh, the price specifically, not or the number of pledges. Yeah. Well, there's so on the price. I always tell people, um, you know, you want to give someone a deal, but make sure it will cover your costs. Yeah. And then that you'll have margin to fulfill, because the hardest thing is people get is figuring out shipping, especially if it's your first time. Like right now, I have relationships with fulfillment centers and shipping and. I can say, okay, I can, I have a place in salt. Uh, I use a company called landmark and they do all my international shipping and I take our product up there and we put it on their scale and we measure it. And they're like, okay, this is going to be how much shipping is. And that's what we charge people. Okay. So we never run into a problem with shipping, but most people don't have that, um, ability to find, figure out shipping. And so sure. they'll go too low or, you know, they don't put in enough margin for their product. So I think you should put in margin so you can fulfill. And if, you know, make some money, but then make sure you put in a discount because, or people will be annoyed because they'll say, you know, this is Kickstarter gives a discount. Um, as far as how many pledges you should have, you can, when I, before I launched my first product, there's a, there's all this information out there. I think there's this big research firm out of Canada that went through and they released this huge report on Kickstarter and they're like, you should have, oh, the projects that do the best have a minimum of eight pledge levels. And they had all these things and people are saying like, oh, you should have pledge levels so everybody can back and all this just garbage, absolute garbage. Cause most of the people have actually never ran a campaign and then fulfilled the campaign. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's harder to more people that are talking have actually done that. So there's a lot better advice. But two years ago, there was a lot of these specialists who'd actually never done one themselves and fulfilled it. So they would tell you, Oh, have 10 pledges, 10 pledges. And if you have a $200 product, make sure you have a $25 pledge level. So everyone can be involved which is just the worst advice ever because now you have minimums on the $25 product and the $200 product, but you only have one amount of money. And most people only plan for the minimum of their actual product. So one thing you can see, if you go back and you see people who have done multiple campaigns, their first campaign, they'll have stupid stuff like buy a shirt, buy socks from us, buy this, and then buy our backpack. And then on their next campaign, they never do that stuff because now all of a sudden they're doing I have to get 2000 pairs of these socks from China. And then what am I going to do with these other 1800 or 1900 pairs of socks that I had to buy? Nobody wants to buy socks for me and I don't want to sell socks. So you're saying they don't do it a second time because they yeah. realize how dumb it yeah, was. Yeah. It first was time. stupid. And, and I saw that I would, I spent a lot of time researching just projects, just looking at campaign pages and you'd look at, and I just started to see that trend on my own. And so I didn't do that. We had, we did have a laptop case in a journal, but that was made from our products. Just, we used our leather and we said here, and we had no minimums on those. Yeah. It was like, we need 25 laptop cases. And they're like, okay, fine. We have the leather. Boom. We made them. So I would just only put pledges for what you're going to sell. Do not put pledges for stupid stuff that you don't want to deal with. Okay. And what about stretch goals? Those are important. If you're going to do big, if you're going to hit, like 200,000, you got to be able to drop some Easter eggs for your backers. And they expect it too. the people like, um, Kickstarter backers are awesome. I love them, but they are very entitled Yeah, because they, they want you to do s- certain things. And so I imagine they're, they're a lot like investors in any company. Yes. <laughs> We're like, Hey, I expect, uh, I expect a return here. Yeah. I expect special so, treatment. What, what are you talking ha- about when you say Easter eggs? Like what, what kinds of things? So for us, like on our bag, we released a new color. We dropped a new color uh, at the end of the campaign. Um, no, we dropped two new colors. And we let the, the people who had backed choose what the color was going to be. 
Oh, cool. yeah, so I remember said, your survey. Yeah, so that. it was like, okay, here's four colors we could potentially have vote. And then we picked the top two colors. Um, we have a new one coming out in probably the next couple months, and it's going to be an all-weather bag. Hmm. And so we're going to start with two colors, and then if as it keeps going, we'll drop additional colors. Once so we, if you pledge <coughs> early, do you have to select your color no, then? Okay. No, you select it after the fact. Got it. So you can still get in on the new colors and stuff. So cool. so stretch goals, for example, your goal, your original goal was $40,000. Mm-hmm. What kind of stretch goals did you set in order to get up to the 240? I think we set one at 100,000 and then we I think we added one at 100,000 and then one at 200,000. I can't remember exactly. And what was what what were those? Was that the color thing? The color I think maybe we added one color at 100 and one at the other one at 200. Okay. I can't remember exactly. Um I, yeah, we're going back a couple of years. Yeah. What are some examples of stretch goals you've made maybe more recently with other products that you've recently released? We haven't. We haven't because we haven't hit 100000 again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so, I brought it up. No, it's Joseph, fine. So it's sorry. fine. We, uh, no, and, and the other projects, we weren't expecting to hit 100000 So for your wallet, yeah, you hit goal though, right, for yeah, each of your products? Yeah, for, the, for everything we hit our goals. For the wallet, we hit um, like 50000 but we I knew we weren't going to. I knew we weren't going to do very well because it Kickstarter is flooded with wallets. Yeah. And the whole objective was to have that on our website. So it's an easier entry product to bring people in. Makes sense. Apart from Kickstarter selling on our website to have a lower price product. That's still nice. Still high, high quality. Um, we did the weekender because people were like, we're hey, asking for it. Yeah. Like let's get a weekender. And then the gym bag was just something we came up with and wanted to try. We did some different things. Um, and that one, that project didn't do very well. And, because my wife had some medical mis- issues right in the middle, and mm. and then I didn't even pay attention to the rest of it, so it, that one kind of blew up because we had some family stuff. So okay, well, so the all leather bag that you talked about, yes, is that when you say in the next couple months, you're saying you're going to kick it off on Kickstarter yes. in the next couple months? Yeah, where I'm getting samples, I'm getting sample six and seven on Monday, and it's it the the reason we're launching it, it's waterproof leather, it's. Mm. It's kind of wild. it's wild to even these uh, these Italians who own a tannery in Italy. I'm really good friends with them because I would travel over there. And, yeah, and uh, they sent me a video like six months ago of this leather right after they developed it. And they had just they were just pouring water on it and they would just sit on it like it was waterproof material. And they're like, "Hey, you want some?" That's Is it a wax or no? They dyed. They figured out how to dye in the the waterproofing agent into the leather wow. or tan it wow. into the leather. It's really wild. Um, I'll show you guys a video later not right now it's <laughs> we can't show anyone who's yeah. listening but um so we're, we're making the backpack and i think we're gonna we might do all the bags in it um we've gotten some samples but they were able to improve the leather so we're gonna do some additional samples and then we'll launch that in hopefully 60 days so is there is there a reason why someone would use kickstarter after already establishing a company when maybe they have revenue sh- coming in from other products uh as opposed to paying for it themselves um, I do it for testing products. I, I don't want to put $100,000 into a product and then not have it work. So if you don't reach your goal, you're ba- that communicates to you, this yeah. isn't a product no worth, interest. worth Look, And if it doesn't hit a certain level, like our gym bag, we'll never do another thing with our gym bag because it just we didn't hit a high enough level that I want to invest more yeah. money into it. Have so, you had anything that you ran a campaign for that you didn't hit your goal and then thus decided not to... No, we we haven't had that yet. I'm sure so you're if batting we, a thousand right now. Yeah, I'm sure at some point we will if we keep trying. Um, so that's really interesting, actually, because Purple, who had their mattress and made like hundreds of millions oh, yeah. of dollars, yeah, they, I mean, they obviously have money to develop other yeah. products. They did a Kickstarter campaign for their pillow. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Did they did they do their dog on the dog bed on there also? <laughs> I I don't know. I actually haven't I heard think, about the dog bed. I think they did. I think I think oh, they yeah. might have put the dog bed on. But there. I've never realized that. I mean, that makes sense now that you say testing, right? If they're yeah. like, here's this pillow, which, you know, Alex McCarthy, the CM over there, I asked him about the weight of the pillow. That was the first thing because I have a purple mattress and that thing is heavy. Yeah. And I saw him at a conference one time. I was like, dude, how heavy is that pillow? He said something like 13 pounds. Oh, really? So I imagine, you know, you've got this thir- 13 pound 13 pillow because it's made out of the same purple Gosh. material. Uh, I-, I was just thinking like. Why would why would you kickstart that? But it, it, I, now it makes sense. Like, yeah. 
we've got this 13 pound pillow. We don't know if, if people are going to want this. <laughs> yeah. One could so be cost let, of manufacturing. Let's, yeah. Let's put this thing on, on Kickstarter to see if there's any interest. Yeah. And yeah. They apparently did the, there was because they, they did developed the pillow it. and the dog bed on yeah. Kickstarter. The dog, the dog bed, bed yeah. did 250,000 just on t- Kickstarter. What was their goal? Uh, I don't, it I don't have that retroactively up. show that. Anyway, so we are actually running out of time. I have one last question for okay. you. If there was one piece of advice to, that you would give to somebody who's thinking about doing a Kickstarter campaign, what would that be? A one piece of advice, know your margins. Okay. And, ha- and, and know your margins. Sorry, I'm going to give two pieces of advice. Oh, my goodness. And know manufacturing because that's when people don't fulfill. They've never done manufacturing or they didn't they just kind of jerry rigged the product but they had they don't have molds they don't know how much the molds are going to cost how do you how do you get experience with manufacturing alibaba just put out a message start emailing people find out prices email i would email 25 factories to do the same thing so you're not saying go manufacture something before you do this you're saying go research the make sure you got the price right because that that will kill you like molds that i mean the cost of a mold can be like eighty thousand dollars for wow. a product and people do that wrong and it's dead yeah so know your margins know your manufacturing cool two pieces of advice that's great thank you joseph yeah thanks uh, for you having make me, me want to you make me want to go start a kickstarter campaign uh if you've enjoyed this episode we invite you to leave a positive review on itunes or any other podcasting platform that you listen to this show on you can reach out we encourage that If you've got topic ideas or if you want to submit someone for an opportunity to become a guest on the show, you can email us at inbound at belowthefold.io. Alternatively, you can reach out on Twitter, belowthefold.io. That's it. Until next week, we'll catch you below the fold.